All right, welcome back, pool fans from across the country and around the world. You are listening to American Billiard Radio. Today is December the 8th, 2016. My name is Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week, and I'll be joined by Mark Cantrell of the Legends and Champions Report. How you doing, Mark? Good, thanks. Good. All right. Well, yeah, 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 I'm doing good. Doing good? <laughs> spending, spending most of... Most of my time watching the Moscone Cup and not yeah, doing yeah. much of anything else to my wife's uh, aggravation. But. <laughs> yeah, it has been kind of intense. We're on the third, well, we just finished up the third day of competition at the Moscone Cup there in London. Uh, for those of you, if you haven't been keeping up with the scores, it's 10 3 uh, in favor of Europe, um, which is, you know, a good solid drumming, as they say. And uh, the your, Team USA struggling a little bit with it, uh, you know. So um, with the with the well, Europe almost clinched it today. Um, it came down to it. They had ten games already, and uh, Europe, or excuse me, USA did win the final one of the sets today uh, to prevent Europe from getting the cup today. So we will start tomorrow with ten three. And a long road to go. Because it's getting, you know, crunch time, but, uh, you know, so, uh, little victories, you know, we're, we're just trying to win a match and trying to get momentum and have some uh, energy for our team. One match at a time. Justin, come a, a little bit closer to us, because how hard has it been for you and your team going into each session? You've always been behind. Oh, I know. It's, it's really hard to play. It's almost like we have nothing to lose, so that's what I told him. I said, uh... I know we're going to play good because all the pressure's off us, you know. So. What does Rodney bring to this team? Because he's so animated. I'm, I'm guessing that's his little lad there. What does he bring to the team? What enthusiasm does he give you guys? He's a funny guy. He's easy to get along with. Everybody loves him. The guy's unbelievable. So I always looked up to him playing pool, so it's really easy for me. We haven't seen the best of all your players. We haven't seen Shane Van Boning reach the levels that we know he can. What's the problem there? I think he's just a little bit unlucky, you know. Like, I mean, he doesn't play his best here, but he's also a little bit unlucky. And then every time he plays Darren, Darren plays perfect, so. We'll bring you back in for this last question. Uh, I'm guessing this is your little one here? Yeah, I think uh, I'm paying for him anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is my little buddy. Little, His middle name is Rocket, so this is Rocket Jr. Oh, Rocket, hey, little Rocket. Uh, simple task of winning eight straight matches tomorrow. How are you going to uh, do that? Yeah, well, we're just going to worry about winning the lag and then uh, get in the advantage because like you notice we had the break the last game so we had the advantage so we were going to work on the lag and we went one we went two you never know it can happen so it, you know donald trump's going to be the usa president so we know anything can happen despite the deficit you seem to have high spirits and it almost feels now that you could probably do this yeah, I can, I, I've seen it before. We've done it before. So I know I know what can happen, and I know how much pressure it is to win the last match. So, you know, these guys can, you know, the only way they can lose is if they really get out there and dog it badly. So we're hoping for them to really dog it. What will your team captain say to you tonight? Something along the lines of one at a time? Uh, he's going to say, uh, meet in the shuttle in 10 minutes, and then uh, let's have a meeting in the room and figure out, you know, the stats and what's going on. And, uh, you know, just going to be happy that we come back tomorrow and fight again. You've been through so many of these experiences. How much do uh, all the examples of winning and losing put that fire in your belly to know that you can do this? 
Yeah, you know, we got, I got, that's why they brought me in for the experience, and, you know, we're all going to dog it, but it's some guys that, you know, can actually get in there and win a big match, and I think that's why they brought me here, and then not to get down. I'm not going to let these guys get down and, you know, get upset and, you know, have any dissension because that's not what we're about. We're about team unity. As much as people want to say we're not united, we, we're all pulling for each other. You know, when I dog it, I know my teammates feel it, you know, so we're all together. Well, a lot of people I don't think would uh, imagine that we'd be saying this, but we'll see you both tomorrow and the rest of your team. Guys, congratulations for that win. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, and, and he's, he's, like, like I've said before, tomorrow's either going to be... A, I've, I've been in this situation at the Moscone Cup where you're there and it's the, it gets to this point and you're going back to watch and you don't know if you're going to be there for an hour and a half. Right. Or four hours, <laughs> right? You know, it, 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 anything could actually. It would, it, it, in all reality, uh, they'd have to play nine matches tomorrow, yeah, at least. Yeah, could be ten for USA to win. That would be astounding. And I don't know how much time. I don't know how much TV time there is. Uh, yeah, and I don't know how long that takes because uh, you got doubles and everything in there. But it's going to be either a long day or a, a really long day or a really short day. A really short day. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a it, it's been an inter- very interesting so far. I, I don't know what is going on. Um, it, it's it's just is it, this is crazy. This is crazy. I know Europeans have a, a fabulous team. We talked about it before. There's all the variables that go along with it being jet lagged, different food, different uh, environment, uh, media uh, things yeah. Yeah. that are all going, going alongside right. uh, with, with everything else. But other than, the, so these things, not just, it's not just the talent of the players. The players are already in Europe for the European team. Yeah. Uh, other than Jason and Darren, but they came over a week early. To to England and got themselves ready, um, and did whatever promo stuff I guess they felt they needed to do, or what Matchroom or Sky Sports wanted them to do. Yeah, um, the U.S. team didn't necessarily have that advantage. I'm not saying that that's the reason, but you know it's the straw that broke the camel's back. It was an accumulative thing that could be leading to where we're at right now. Sure. However, having said that, last year in Vegas at the Tropicana, we didn't do any better either. So right. the Europeans are doing, putting up with the same stuff that we're putting up with over there. Um, I say we. <laughs> Living in America with American kids, American wife, and coming friends from both sides but on both teams yeah i don't know i don't know who i uh, even support i just want to see good pool and uh yeah. everybody enjoy themselves yeah well that but how to enjoy yourself yeah how to enjoy yourself when you're 11 to 10 2 down <laughs> yeah well speaking of enjoying yourself uh rodney uh in competition today um, was just having a ball with it, you know. He, 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 I think he does actually provide some stress relief for the team. Um, I, I would think that it's a good thing. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad in the long run, but uh, 
It does relieve the pressure a little bit, you know, when you can just sit and chatter with somebody like that when you're up uh, at the table. But well, I, you know, I never, I never, I never liked that. About, uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I'm a friend. I'm friends with Rodney. I never, I never liked him when he was doing this, laughing and joking and carrying on. Like, come on, dude, take it serious. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Maybe that's what they actually need right now is somebody to be breaking the ice. Yeah. There and and you know. Uh, they got to win, uh, what, how many how many games have got to win uh, tomorrow? A bazillion. Eight, eight <laughs> games or eight, eight matches or something. Yeah, eight, yeah. Matches, eight matches straight, straight, without losing any. Eight straight matches. Yeah, so. That's, uh, um, that's what you call a daunting task right there. Good, good luck to them. You know, it's the same thing. We say it's the same thing every year. If you know, Shane would have won just a couple more of his matches. I guess he's played five matches and not won any. Yeah. Um. Uh, Mike DeShane, You know, we can. I, can, I mean, we can. It seems like everybody's been choking, other than, and, and Rodney's choked too. So I'm not gonna. Yeah. Just say he's my friend. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna leave him out of this match. He has been responsible for two of the wins, but he's also made some mistakes, and I'm sure he will admit the mistakes that he's made along the way. Um, Bergman and Skyler, I've said, young, no experience. They did it to me last year. They showed me the same thing last year when I was saying the same thing. And uh, it seems like they're... uh, Holding their own, you know. Pulling... They're pulling... the the wins may not always be on the board, but they're pulling their weight, kind sure. of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. If that if that makes any if that makes any sense. So yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll just see what happens tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it yep. as, as usual, and you know my wife's gonna be pissed at me again. <laughs> you have to watch this. Why well, eh? the Christmas lights not up? How come you know you yeah. gonna do this? And, you know, what, what, why is there all these dishes? Can't you do something around here instead of just watch cool? <laughs> yeah, the one time, yeah, the one time of the year that you get glued to the TV, and it's like the worst time to be, to be glued to the TV. All yeah, right. Yeah, because got, yeah, she's got, she got all kind of things for me to do. You won't believe the things oh, yeah. she wants me to do around here. I'm sure. I'm she, sure. I mean, what? She wanted me to sweep vacuum one day. For God's sake, I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I know. Imagine that. Good grief. Good. Practically a slave driver. I'm. I'm. am I'm a, I'm a ruined man. Yeah. What it is, you know. So, anyways. That's cool. It's been. It's been a pleasure. And. Yep. You know. I, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about this uh, next week at some point. Maybe we can get a couple of the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, from team either Team USA or Team Europe, you know, on on with us yeah. to to have a quick chat and talk about their experience. Sure enough, sure enough. Well, Team USA, best of luck to you and to you listeners out there. Stick around. We're going to be right back with uh, Ivan Lee of uh, Simonis Cloth. 
and we're going to chat for a little bit about some different stuff. So stick around and we'll be right back after this. Hey, this is Thorsten and you're listening to American Billiard Radio. Okay, everybody, welcome back, and I am talking with Mr. Ivan Lee, President and CEO of uh, Simonis North America. How you doing, Ivan? Doing very well. Thank you, David. I understand uh, you were able to go down to uh, the event at the ballpark in St. Louis. How did, how did that go for you? It was great. Um, the event was, you know, the venue was great. It was, uh, there were a lot of people that showed up. A lot of excitement and enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mark Wilson really put together a good event down there. Uh, it was fun to see the, uh, you know, the legacy. Uh, they had the uh, Hall of Famers there. Uh, Nick Varner was there. Mike Massey. Yeah. Core. Um, Jeanette Lee and uh, Shannon Dalton were all down there, so it was fun to see them. Uh, there was a lot of people, a lot of who's who in the billiard industry were, were down there as well. Of course, the uh, Moscone Cup players. Um, you know, Mark is highly involved with uh, with the university, uh, so we had uh, you know a lot of buy-in from uh, from the university, and, and I actually was able to go on uh, Thursday to Lindenwood and and see his uh, his training facility there, yeah. which is also very impressive. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, they're really setting a high bar, you know, for the collegiate program there. It's it it would be fantastic if we had one of those at, at every university across the country. I think that that's yeah, it's something to aspire to. He's got a really good program going, and yeah. the uh, the interesting thing there is uh, I don't know if you're aware, but during the event they had uh, some team play that was going on, and yes. the Lindenwood Lion team actually won the event. <laughs> uh, there were some pro players on some of the other teams, and uh, the Lindenwood group uh, actually won it. So they they have now an expense paid trip to uh, next year's Moscone Cup in Las Vegas. That's fantastic. Which was the prize for uh, for winning that little team event. Yeah, that is and, awesome. Uh, I think that says a lot for you know the the uh, whole aspect of of properly coaching and and training up uh, a group of people as a team. Oh yeah. To uh, compete in those type of events. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, I think you you hit on an important point there, you know, um because you know, obviously Moscone Cup is underway right now as we speak. And the um working together with the with the the juniors in a group setting like that is not something that was heavily done ever before. You know, before Lindenwood and some of these other collegiate programs, they've had college championships or college level championships for a long time but this group setting that they're doing and the introduction of the Atlantic Challenge Cup is a great opportunity for some of these youngsters to have experienced that team setting before the Moscone Cup you know prior to yeah, it, no, it really is and because uh, we've been involved uh, Simonis has been involved with the ACUI and the ACUI yeah. uh, has had their championships you know, pretty regularly for the last, yeah, yeah, at least the last 12 years that I've been involved with. Sure. And it's been a, you know, pretty good setup, but it's, it's very individualized. You don't have right. team play necessarily. Yeah. Um, and although it's, it's, you know, it's good and it's still viable, um, it's sort of disconnected from the rest of the industry. So it's one sure. of those things where 
although it's happening, mm-hmm. um, it's not it's not gaining a lot of uh, you know uh, necessarily industry support or outside support to try and you know push that down the path. Yeah, yeah, this is true. Well, God bless Sam Deep. Uh, you know she's busting her butt. The guys at the BEF. You know, all of the crew, I guess I should say, are um, really trying to push the junior programs through, and it's working. You know, we have a lot more junior qualifiers now, and like I said, I think this is just going to lend itself fantastically uh, to things like the Moscone Cup, where some of the players currently had never played in a group setting or on a team setting before now, and so this will give a chance to some of the upcoming kids to have done that before, you know, and... Well, I think that's a good point. Uh, you know, Sam has done quite a good job. She's doing uh, state championships as well. Right. Uh, there's more qualifiers for juniors to uh, to do things like the Atlantic Challenge Cup. Yes. Um, you know, get involved in junior nationals, that sort of thing. The uh, the junior national championship in the United States uh, this year was held in conjunction with the BCA Trade Show yeah. in Chicago, and it was the largest one they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't remember, it was 200 and, I want to say it's 250 kids or, yeah. or possibly more than that that were it was, and that was the largest field they've ever they've yeah. ever put together it was very impressive i was there yeah. to see that it was very impressive uh and the atlantic challenge cup again is as as fantastic you know it's uh, it's unfortunate but realistic to say that you know americans have this slight disadvantage uh in in situations like that that's why we need stuff like that to happen you know we've got to bring the caliber of players up uh, to be well, able it's to interesting because the first Atlantic Challenge Cup took place in Europe. Yeah, and uh, and our guys went over there and kind of you know rung their bell because we didn't win, but we, it was darn close. Yeah, and uh, now obviously Europe responded with you know, training <laughs> up their team very well, so yeah. that they came here and it was uh, it was pretty one sided. But but uh, you know they didn't know what to expect when when we went over there, and uh, and our kids did really well. So, oh, yeah, sure. you know, coming back this way, they were ready for us, and they, they knew that they had a challenge, and they wanted to make sure that it wasn't close again, and they, they were able to accomplish that. But, again, there's there's a lot more um, formal training that happens in Europe than there is in the United sure. States, and that's something that we hope to, uh, right. you know, to kind of balance off of it. Exactly, exactly. And that's, yeah, that was my whole point right there is that these these – the upswing in junior events is could be nothing but good, you know, in the long run for the American players. We really got to yeah, and the popularity of sport as well. Yeah, absolutely true. You know, these are we're we're making the future generations, so there's nothing bad about that. And uh, speaking of you know new generations, uh, you know we've got newbies on the Moscone Cup team, um, you know, so to speak, uh, Mr. Skylar Woodward and. Justin Bergman, just up-and-coming players in the last few years here. Right. And uh, they don't seem to have a, a problem with it. I mean, you know, obviously overall USA is not doing that great, but those two have both stepped up pretty well. I think Bergman actually ended up with, like, the best record last year of all the players um, in the whole well, set. It's, it's interesting because these guys, you know, they're, they're coming from a different background. Yeah. Um, excuse me. The uh, the way they're being trained, the way they're being brought up is, is you know through the sport and and through the sportsman uh, sportsmanship side of the game is a little bit different than we've seen in the last you know couple of decades in pool. Yes. Um, 
you know, it's it's interesting because you know you go back a few decades and the Americans dominated pretty much worldwide. Yeah. And now everybody else wants a, you know piece of that action. So um, <laughs> you've seen a lot of uh, you know a lot of tremendous players coming out of Europe. You've seen a lot of tremendous players uh, coming out of the Asian uh, Absolutely. countries. Absolutely. Well. Oh yeah. And uh, you know the you know the, the way they're trained there is uh, I mean you earn it or you or you don't you know and, and if you earn your way in then you can stay if you, you know, at any point you start to slide, then, you know, there's, there's plenty of people waiting to take your place. That's place. right. <laughs> so the competitive aspect there is, is, uh, is very dramatic and, uh, those is. players know it. So when they come to the table, you know, they're, they're there to win and, and they've been trained in such a way that, uh, they're very focused on what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't mm-hmm. show a lot of emotion. They're kind of mechanical, but, uh, yeah. and they get the job done. Yeah, they do take it very, very seriously. Um, I was just discussing the, that whole Asian contingency with somebody just the other day, and they, this person is not the, – the person I was talking to is not really a huge pool fan, so they didn't really know. And I said, you know, there, there are kids in school, you know, grade school kids in China that are being trained to play pool. <laughs> You know, that's something that just rarely, rarely, rarely happens in the United States. And that should terrify the hell out of everybody here, you know. That means that they're going to have kids, you know, for the next 20 years that have been playing since they were 5 and 6 and 7 and 8. You know, that's... Uh, it, well, it's one, of the, one of the great things about the game is the appeal all yeah, the way through all the ages. Sure, absolutely. So it's, it's actually pretty pretty simple to teach you know, young players to play, mm-hmm. and then uh, there's various programs uh, that have been started in, in you know different places in the United States. Uh, one of the things that's that's very uh, easy to do um, is is show the math aspect of pool. Yeah. Um, in terms of you know calculating averages and runs and and uh, all that sort of thing, there is a math aspect to it that lends itself to uh, to training. The kids aren't don't even know they're learning math, but right. you know, counting how many balls go down, you know, innings, uh, averages, things like that. Absolutely. They learn how to rate each other, how to you know look at what they're doing and it becomes um, you know, second nature to them. They're enjoying a game that they're playing. Mm-hmm. They're also picking up some valuable skills along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's no doubt uh, of the the physical benefits as far as hand-eye coordination and judgment skills and problem solving and strategy and all that. Those are all things that, like you said, that's what they're trying to put into the kids more so than anything else. They're using it as an educational tool, which, you know, which is fantastic. You know, uh, it's unfortunate that more of the educational pieces of that puzzle cannot be brought out, uh, in America. So let's just keep our fingers crossed and, and support, stuff like that whenever we see it happening, you know, because that's great. Oh, absolutely. No, there's, there's tremendous benefit to it. And, and one of the interesting things is there seems to be like a, a, a skip in the generations here because I know a lot of guys that uh, are older than me that, you know, grew up playing in the boys and girls clubs Yeah. and YMCA's and places like that where you really don't see tables anymore. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. You know, that um, is true. That is true. Uh, you know, some of the, like, the YMCA-type places, you know, where uh, kids would be able to go play safely. Um, yep. You know. Well, and the boys and girls clubs were, were a tremendous asset for a long time. Yeah. I know some guys that ended up being uh, pool room owners, you know, as adults, that uh, that found their love of the game in boys and girls clubs. Right, right. I think, to, I'm thinking back now, and, you know, in my local town, there was an there was an adult pool hall that I couldn't go into until I was eighteen at least. 
So the place that we played, I don't know that we had a boys and girls club, but our but the local recreation center actually had pool tables in it back in the day. Yeah. Um, the city I live in now does not. <laughs> I've actually considered calling them up and saying, "Hey, let me put a you know a pool table in your rec center because you know there's kids there all the time and it's a safe place to play." But um, that it's was interesting because you know you've seen the. Uh... I don't want to say demonization, but there's there's always a stigma yeah. involved with with pool, which I think is kind of interesting because uh, there's an article that I was I was reading on an airplane probably eight or ten years ago about a guy who uh, um, wanted to join the they had a pool team at their their high school, and uh, so he came home and told his mom he wanted to join. His his mom got all up in arms and and oh my gosh, you can't do that. That's, you know, like the, the worst <laughs> thing ever. And, right, right. And then she found out that uh, the practice room was, was in a local uh, bowling alley. You know, when the bowling alleys used to have pool rooms in it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And suddenly it was okay. Right. You know, so I thought, <laughs> boy, that's just a real, it's a real odd thing. <laughs> it uh, kind of is, you know. Yeah, because mm. if, if once she's thinking about a, a pool hall, obviously she's thinking about, a, you know, like the den of thieves, smoky. Uh, yes. Uh, nothing good can come from it. But as soon as it's, you know, that pool hall is removed and put in a in a bowling alley, well, then it's fine. Oh, right. Exactly. It's a, it's a safe place kind of to go. It's a stark contrast. Yeah. Um, it's, it's on, a, on a similar note, um, we tried to get a pool table. This is one of the funniest stories Um and I don't know that I've ever, ever shared this, uh, especially not on the show. We, when I was in high school, we tried to get a pool table, uh, and, you know, somewhere in a rec room or something at the high school. And same reaction. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, no, no, no. We're not having one of these, you know, gambling machines in a school. The parents will go ape nuts. No, no, no. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. And it was just not going to happen. Uh about two years after I graduated, somebody else approached the issue, and except they used a completely different context. They said, we want to put a pool table, a coinomatic pool table, in the cafeteria, you know, basically in full view of everybody so that there will be no funny business or anything. But the, the coin, since it's coin op, we're going to use it as a fundraiser for like the FFA or something like that, you know. And yeah, and they just used it. Oh, well, it's a fundraiser. You know, when the kids play, their money gets saved, et cetera, et cetera. It's right here in in the cafeteria and you can only play during your lunch break, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and they just jumped all over it. They thought it was the greatest idea in the world. So it's all about, like you said, the context, you know, how it's presented. If you say, I'm going to have a fundraiser that nobody bats an eyelash at it. But if you say we want to play pool then all of a sudden they've got this, you know, uh, dreams of people with tattoos and cigarettes hanging out of their yeah. mouth, you know. Well, it's funny, too, because stealing a lot of, lunch a lot money, of you know. fundraising things these days, you know, for, for any, uh, like, churches, schools, whatever, they, what do they have? They have casino nights. Uh, right. They bring in the tables, <laughs> and they bring in, you know, all the gambling, and everybody plans on going to lose their money to a good cause. Yeah, you know? or, or bingo, and, right? Yeah, yeah and, that's, and that's okay, Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, but but again, as soon as you put a pool table in there, then obviously something something's yeah. very wrong with that, you know. Yeah, so it's, it's just kind of funny. No, it we is. This, this kind of stigma. It Still, is. I, I mean, I, to this day. Right. Exactly. To this day, um, you know, you'll have people that oh, you like pool? Oh, you're a pool shark, huh? You know, and it's like uh, no, <laughs> come on, really. 
Well, it's funny because I know uh, I know some retailers on the West Coast, and uh, one of them is in touch with Silicon Valley, uh, you know, money. Right. And uh, and they had antique tables, and and they've got you know the whole the whole line of everything, sure. you know. And they've had guys, you know, Silicon Valley executives that come out and say like, "Well, I want you to build my game room," but they they specifically want it to look like you're walking into a basement bar room, so everything is dimly lit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like you know, the whole thing. <laughs> They want that setting yeah. in their home. Yeah, and yeah. these are you know multi-million dollar homes. These guys can afford whatever they want. It's like, oh, I want to, I want to set it up like this. So it looks yeah. like it's the you know the, the whole den of thieves. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, okay. I want a grungy <laughs> and they, pool. They pay top dollar for it. You know. Yeah, that's too funny, man. That that reminds yeah. me. I, that I mean, it's true though. It's absolutely true that that uh, there's something strangely attractive about that element. You know, to certain people, it's like the hustler. Yeah. You know, it's people are. I've actually spoken to people that were up in arms about it. Oh, you know, oh, it was this great movie, and you know, no, 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 no. And then you have the other people saying, "Oh, great! Look, look what it makes us look like—a bunch of loser bums that you know can't do anything with our lives but hang out in pools." You know, <laughs> it's that, that that dichotomy. You know, um, and it, it's it also applies in a strange sort of way uh, to the private side and the public side of pool. You hear people make the arguments about pool is dying, pool is dead, etc., etc. And that's... Uh, they don't understand that there are people that play it in their own homes, in their own basements, in their dens, and things like that, that don't have anything to do with professional pool out there. So they oh, see, yeah. you know, the struggles of professional pool and they think, oh, my gosh, you know, nobody's playing anymore. And it's not that's really not the case. There's the people well, that are going to play, the, you know, the game is, is you know, part of the fabric of American life is what it amounts to. Yes, exactly. There's there's hundreds of thousands of tables in the United States. Right. And, and it, it's one of the easiest games to learn. It's one of the most difficult games to master. Right. Um, and everybody, you know, everybody enjoys that on, on various levels. Yeah. Um, you know, like when I used to, uh, when the WPBA was having their uh, casino tour, um, you know, that that was a, that was a great, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to go to these things. The women were there, they were, they were you know, high-level play. And uh, it was one of those things where they were, they were really sort of just trying to show you a certain slice of, you know, women's professional pool. Yeah, and it had to be. You know, they were they were saying it's like, well, just you know, it's it's sport, it's this, it's this, and they had sort of a predefined agenda. And I was like, I was talking to the board one time, and I'm like, you know, why would you want to try and limit the way people experience the sport? Right. You know. Right. It's like it's like look at you know Las Vegas is a great example where when Vegas tried to be family friendly Vegas, they <laughs> failed. You know, right. they failed miserably. Right. And then they, they sort of, you know, turned it back into the shroud of, you know, hey, whatever happens here stays here. That's it's right. Like, you know, wink, wink, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. well. Exactly. That worked great for them. Yeah. And and it's the same thing. You know, people are going to enjoy certain sports for various different reasons. That's and right. And one, one of the things is the gambling aspect, which is very real in pool. I mean, let's be honest. Absolutely. Um, but it seems to be like, you know, I think there's a whole lot more people who gamble on football and baseball and <laughs> yeah. other, you know, professional sport, basketball. Yeah. You know, but those are okay because uh, you know that's just that's just the way it is. I know. I and know. you look at the, you know the math that I was telling you about, like keeping averages and scoring and runs and innings and things like that on a pool table. Apparently, that's bad. But as soon as you <laughs> apply it to baseball, that's perfect. You know, you, you got to know those those. Stats. Oh right, absolutely, absolutely. 
No, that's, so it's funny that it is that these types of things, these types of dichotomies exist between sports, between and among sports. You know, it's Absolutely. okay to bet on on baseball, but you know, pool betting is oh, that's 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 just you know, it's heinous. I know that's absolutely yeah. heinous. Which is just like you said, um, using the the dog race, uh, you know, in the horse race uh, as an example, you know, uh, the Kentucky Kentucky Derby, that sort of thing, where you've got people going out there in their Sunday attire with their Easter bonnets on, betting the farm, you know, having a jolly old time. The whole purpose of this race is for betting. Yep. Biggest event of the year. All it is about is betting on horse race, you know, on a horse race. Of course. But, you know, somehow that's been elevated to, Absolutely. you know, like social status, mm-hmm. whereas all the other stuff is like, well, that's just, you know, barroom betting, oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're a bunch of scoundrels. That's your scandalous, yep. you know. There's no socially redeeming values about <laughs> about hand-eye you know, coordination though, at all. For, you know? for, years, for years, I used to build cues. In fact, I worked for a ratio or in Chicago for about 12 years. Right. And one of the things that you notice uh, when you're building custom product like that is the uh, the cross section of uh, you know like pool transcends all absolutely boundaries. absolutely absolutely yeah from the top to the bottom I mean, they're, they're professional well professional hustlers that were living in their car coming in to order a, you know a, a sneaky pee type of queue mm-hmm. all the way to the uh, at the time it was uh, Galvin the, the CEO of Motorola right uh, I made a queue for Horace Grant one time you know when he was with the Chicago Bulls. Right, um, and everybody in between. And the cool thing about it is, is uh, what people don't realize, is two people meet across the table, and it's it's just the game. Right. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter who you are, what you do, it's it's how well you play, and and you know what you're able to do on the table. That's and right. It's, it's uh, and in it's most very, cases, very social in that respect. It is, and in most cases, it doesn't even matter how old you are. You know, uh, uh, a ten year old. You know, a ten year old can play with a sixty year old the same game and have a ball. You know, it's there's yep. absolutely no. I think that's one of the most fascinating parts about the sport is the fact, like you said, that it the, it knows no boundaries. You know, there's a there's a yep. table in the White House, and there is a table in the federal prison. <laughs> Uh, no, true. It goes you know, all the and, way and across. And everywhere in between. And everywhere in between. Every single place in between. Speaking of um, the history of it, you mentioned you used to work for Ray Schuler. How did yep. you um, tell us a little bit about how you sort of got involved with? I mean, everybody sort of uh, became a player when they were a kid and stuff, and then and then something else happened. How did you sort of get serious into the pool business? Well, it was kind of interesting story because I was, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, played as a kid, but sure. not never seriously, um, never competitively, and uh, but I was, I did a lot of woodworking as a kid, and then hmm. in high school I was in, you know, senior wood class and all that sort of stuff, and I, sure. I made a lot of things, and and I sort of specialized in uh, turning. I did a lot of hand turning, like lamp posts and things on on a hand lathe, you know, with uh, with chisels and carving and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and then I, I came to Illinois, and it's kind of funny because uh, I saw a, a posting on a job board at the community college I was going to, and it said, you know, woodworker, uh, you know, for turning. And I'm like, well, shoot, I've done that. So <laughs> I went and found Ray Schuler's shop at the time he was in Wheeling. And uh, and he claims, that's kind of interesting too, because he claims that he never put that posting on the job board. <laughs> Uh, and I, but, you know, I, it led me to him, and then uh, <laughs> I started working there part-time, you know, as I was going to school. And I uh, worked there for a couple of years, and then 
and then I actually uh, graduated from junior college and was looking for something to do and, and found a job. Um, actually, there are a couple of things that, that kind of came about there, but uh, Ray decided to keep me from the first job I was I was going to go take. Yeah. And then I actually went and worked for a hardwood flooring company in Chicago for a while, so I did uh, okay. field operations for them for probably a year and a half, and then Ray wanted me back. So at that point, uh, I'm trying to figure out the dates now, because that was probably 80... 89-ish, 88, 89, and I went back to work for him, and then uh, I worked there for several years. Like, I think I was with him for probably close to 12 years. Wow. Which brought us up to 2002-ish. Okay. Okay. It was more than 12 years. But, uh, so in 2002, um, I had, I was on my, my third child at that point, and... Uh, ended up working for uh, Atlas Billiard Supply out of Skokie, which is also you know local here in, in Illinois. Yeah. And so I left uh, Ray's shop and I went to work for Atlas, which uh, sold parts to guys who made cues, uh, actually worldwide. Uh, mostly focused in the United States, but actually we, we did sell um, cue makers in you know you name the country. We we sold products to all of them. Right. Uh, one of the things was that Atlas had uh, direct access to a product, a couple of products. They had Ivorine 3, was a great ferro material that they had made, uh, Melamine, mm-hmm. um, Double Blackland and Phenolic was a big product that they sold. And uh, so I, I went and ran their division for about three years um, out of Skokie. And while I was there, uh, probably a couple of years into my working for them, I heard of a uh, position available with Sumatos. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And that was about 2000, probably 2002, 2003, I heard about it. And so I uh, interviewed for it. They had a formal interview process. The uh, executives came over from Belgium, and they had a, a formal headhunting process we went through that, that whole thing. And uh, through that process, I ended up with a job at Simonis. So ah, that was a, a okay. managed transition because Hank Hayes was running the division for, uh, for a long time. Uh, in fact, he used to own the distribution uh, he and a friend of his out of Brunswick had started uh, Dufferin Incorporated, which is a U.S. corporation oh. <clears throat> huh. that uh, that basically sold uh, balls, cues, and cloth. Right. And so uh, he had Hank had run into some health problems by that time, but I think they started in like '81, and they ran it to about 2000. Uh, Hank ended up with some, like I say, some health issues. And so they went to find somebody to replace him should his health issues get pretty serious because they were, they were pretty serious for a while. He eventually fully recovered, which, but he was about retirement age at that time. So I had uh, transitioned in, and from about 2004, I've been here from 2004, so about 12, we started my 13th year in January. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I've been running, and now uh, since I've been with Simonis, in 2012, uh, Simonis acquired uh, Saluk, which is the maker of Aramith Balls. Right, right. And yeah. the Fusion Tables. So we have uh, both of those products. And then uh, and then this year, in January of this year, we bought uh, uh, WSP, which is a company that makes the Strachan snooker cloth out of England. Uh, and yes. they used to be owned by Milliken, but uh, they were back on their own. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Simonis, they're under uh, Simonis ownership now as well. So... Fantastic. We actually have basically four products that we handle here 
under the billiard because all these companies have have different uh, industrial divisions or, or different products that they make. So yeah, Sonus Cloth right. is pretty much focused on on uh, billiard cloth. It's an interesting company in that they've been in the same place for uh, a long over time, thirty years. <laughs> yeah, uh, a long time. Sixteen eighty is when they were founded in this little town in in uh, uh, eastern Belgium, almost to the German border, and they've been there ever since. Um, so they've they're sort of the backbone of the billiard side of of, uh, of the group. Yeah. And we're owned uh, Simone. I want Simonis Incorporated because I want Simonis SA is the uh, the Belgium corporation. Right. And they own us. Uh, we're I want Simonis Incorporated. We're Illinois Corporation, but we're wholly owned by the parent. Um, we are point source distribution for Simonis cloth in uh, the U.S. and Canada. We're also point source distribution for the Fusion Table in U.S. and Canada. And uh, we're one of uh, five um, distributors of the Aramith Balls in uh, North America. Mm. And we're one of well, two U.S. distributors for the, uh, the Strack and Stucker cloth uh, in the United States. And then a couple of uh, entities in Canada are able to buy that directly from the company in England. But uh, some of the other things like Saluk, you know, the Aramith Ball is obviously their pool ball. They have some other industrial products that they deal with, um, usually like balls, not bearings necessarily, but uh, different types of balls for different types of applications. In the past, they've made balls for track balls or, or uh, your computer mouse, that type of thing, before those all went laser. Yeah. Um, you know, various things along those lines. They, they have lots of industrial quality products that they make. Um, the WSP company, which is the Snooker cloth manufacturer, they also make uh, coverings. Um, the wool cloth covering for tennis balls. I think all the pen balls use the WSP. Uh, yeah, I was reading coding. something about that. Now, is that is that the same company that produces the tables? You said. No, this is the same company that produces the snooker cloth. Okay, okay. And yeah, who and, and then, who is it that produces the tables? Saluk. Saluk. So the ball manufacturer also makes the uh, the fusion table. Oh, they make the table. They actually produce the tables too. And yeah. do they produce them in Belgium? A lot of it is Belgium-made, yeah. Really? Wow. Okay, yeah. cool. I didn't know it was an engineering product because the, the interesting thing about that table, and uh, and I when we started distributing it, I didn't really think I was going to like it that much, but it's, it's got a really interesting niche um, in that most pool tables, you, know, you can't sit at the table because you're at the cabinet of the table. You run your knees into it, and right. so you either got to sit sideways against it or whatever. But these tables are set up so that it's got a, a real heavy-gauge steel frame that's about a four-inch box frame. And so nothing hangs below um, that point of the table. So you can slide benches or chairs right up to the table, okay. and they have a convertible top. You put your dining tops on it. It's a great dining table, office desk, whatever, uh, uh, conference table. Okay. okay. And you pop the tops off, and uh, it actually has a leveling system so you can lift the table um from dining height to play height, it goes up about uh, about three inches. Oh, and, cool! And uh, locks in position; it's good to go. Wow. So it's really, it's really kind of it's a slate table. Um, you know, it's it's really kind of a unique product. That sounds like it. That's interesting, huh? Yeah. I was I didn't know that much about those tables, so I'm glad that you told me that. That's interesting stuff. I didn't realize uh, that. I think the the height adjustment is going to make a, a big difference because that's another problem. Is pool tables are typically higher than dining tables, you know? So it's like a right. 
Uh, no, so it drops down. You know that that three inch difference is is you know it cool. really makes it nice to to uh, it's perfect height for dining is what it amounts to. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the legs are spring loaded, so you don't have to be a, a beast to try and lift the thing up. <laughs> right. Well, cool, man. That sounds like some fun stuff. It's yeah. um, you've just run the gamut there, then I guess, and the whole <laughs> there's not much left for you to do in the business, I suppose. Uh, other than polish well, balls, it's, it's or interesting because uh, you know in the last ten years I've been the, the president of the Billiard Congress of America five times. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, currently I'm the first. Uh, well, we used to have a first and second vice chairman. Uh, we we actually shrunk the board down from sixteen to nine members, so now we only have one vice chairman. And this year I'm the vice chairman of the board. Sure. sure. Um, so I've been, and I think right now I'm the longest serving member on the BCA board, uh, which actually <laughs> helps them because uh, I've got enough knowledge that I've accumulated over the years as to, you know, we've done certain things, and there's always a reason why we did certain things, but it's always it's always not apparent or, you know, the reasoning why we did certain things is not uh, always available. Right, right. So mm-hmm. having that sort of institutional knowledge has really helped the board. Sure, and, yeah. Uh, I can and imagine I think it's, so. You know, it's, it's good to stay involved there because... Uh, you know, the, there's obviously there's a political side to everything. There's a political side to our sport. Yeah. And we try and keep things as balanced as we can, you know, from the BCA side of things. Sure. Um, because the BCA is still the the North American member to the WPA, which is the World Pool Billiard Association. Right. right. Um, does the invites to a lot of the international events and world championships and that sort of thing. So we try and you know stay connected that way. Um, there's some other people that are working behind the scenes that are you know, old time industry people. Um, Skip Nemechek is uh, from, you know, Master Chalk is, or Tweet and Fiber, is the uh, delegate to the World Pool Billiard Association for the right. BCA at the moment. Right. So we've got some people that have been there, you know, a long time, even longer than me. Yeah. Um, that are still working in the back in the background to, you know, help things along in, in the sport in the United States. Yes, yes, yes. What do you see... Um well, you know, I, this might be a tricky question. What uh, what's in the horizon for the BCA? Well, it's difficult to, you know, the BCA. Um, there's challenges for the BCA, you know, because there's there's certain roles that we need to fulfill as the WPA rep. Right. Um, we try to, you know, we have a mission that really tries to promote the sport uh, to the industry and beyond. Uh, we try to get involved in uh, in competitive play. Uh, we try and manage some of that. We try to put on uh, certain events there and promote other events. You know to make sure that there's uh, that the sports stays as popular as it can. Yeah. There's there's a lot of interesting things that come through the BCA that that people aren't aware of because we're not you know trying to toot the horn all the time. Right. Right. One right. of the disadvantages we have as the BCA is is a lot of other countries around the world their uh, their billiard programs or billiard uh, offices or however you want to you know characterize it are tied into their uh sports networks throughout the country and sometimes they get government funding mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. we don't right and so it, it right. makes it difficult because we're a typically member-based organization right so our membership you know provides uh a lot of the you know the operating revenue that, that we have uh the industry has been you know pretty severely hurt since 2007 when the economy took a dip yeah uh we're stable the bca is very stable at the moment um we try to come up with things that we can afford to do in terms of putting on events or organizing things or, or you know, lending a helping hand where we can. Sure. And 
that's been something that uh, we've been looking more actively at because we're finally, uh, you know, financially stable, much more so than we have been in in many years. Uh, just like a, a lot of the companies that have gone out of business in the exactly. last, you know, say exactly. like five or six years, uh, a lot of pool halls have closed. A lot of distributions have, you know, uh, you know, a lot of things have uh, consolidated. Yeah. In fact, even look at uh, Simonis buying Saluk, for instance. That's a consolidation of a couple of large, you know, names in the industry. Sure. Yeah. Um, although at the moment it seems that more more pool halls are opening than there are closing. The smoking ban hit us at the same time the economic crisis fell apart. So that was uh, mm-hmm. that was very difficult for a lot of rooms to to try and stay open yeah. when they had to reinvent themselves as a non-smoking facility. Right. Um, and and we've seen. You know, places rebound from that. Canada went smoke-free before the United States did, and most of them said that you know, the traditional logic there was it took about five years to, mm-hmm. for those places to get stable. Sure. Now, they didn't have a huge economic crisis right in the middle of it, so we're seeing that you know eight to ten years is more of a turnaround here because we had the smoking ban mm-hmm. and you know a crushing financial situation, and now people are people still like to play pool. Is what it comes down to. Well, right. Yeah, so, exactly. And there's an yeah. upswing, just as we were talking about earlier, there has been a um, a uh, significant upswing of, of junior events and even a moderate upswing of the professional events. So I don't think that uh, it's all doom and gloom, as <laughs> you know. No, I it's think, not. Uh, and, and, you know, you look at uh, a lot of this is tied to housing, too. Because yeah, some of it the is. retailers, it is. you know, and, and again, this is more this is much more separate from the professional side of play. Uh, yeah. And we were talking about that earlier where there's like people, it's like, oh, the pros aren't doing anything, so there's no feature for the sport. Uh, right. Well, right, right, right. People, are, people are building homes again. That's uh, right. They're putting game rooms in their homes again. That's going to be more, you know, pool tables and air hockey and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that hit us sort of simultaneously with the, Right before the smoking ban, people were putting big screen TVs, flat screen TVs, in their rec rooms versus buying a pool table. And at that time, <laughs> yeah. you get a 50 inch TV was three thousand bucks. Yeah, you know, now you get a 50 50 inch TV is like what four hundred dollars. So, it's it's not fighting for the the discretionary dollar as much now as it was then. Right. And uh, so people can afford to put in pool tables again and, and afford to put in those those kind of home game oh, yeah. situations. Right. Um, whereas at that time, it was really, we were starting to get some pressure from, from different areas, and the flat screen TV was one of the ones that brought it on. <laughs> um, you know, and then the housing collapse and everything else, it just, it just made, it went from bad to worse. Right, so right, right, yeah. we're seeing a lot more uh, construction starts. You know, people, that'll take a couple of years for it builds into people finishing out their basements and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But it's a cyclical process, and I think we're kind of in the middle of that. And, and you know, the future actually looks pretty good. It does. It does. And it's also a regional – there are regional effects, too. You know, I actually was listening to uh, uh, some radio news heads the other day talking about certain areas of the country where the real estate was in actually in high demand. So it really – it just depends a lot on economics – Regional factors, you know, even silly stuff like weather and and uh, I, I say weather, I mean natural disaster, hurricanes, you know, and you know, oh, sure. you know, big things like that that affect whole regions of the country and stuff like that. But other than that, you know, generally speaking, I think billiards is, is uh, on the rise uh, as a whole over the last few years. I think, I think it is. It, is. it really is. So, and that's we can we can thank you for all your all your good work there, <laughs> for for bringing it back around there, Mister uh, Mister well, Lee. We uh, we do the best we can. You know, it's it's part of our 
our you know mission as as a company to uh Absolutely. promote and support the sport wherever we can we we uh people sometimes laugh when they call me it's like you guys support everything it's like well not not everything but <laughs> we're, we're pretty present out there yeah we're trying we, uh, yeah 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 we do we do what we can to try and stimulate things wherever we can well yeah and it's unfortunate but it's also reasonable that everybody can't do all you know i i wish you know obviously that every predator company and every omega company and every chalk company and every you know if everybody could sink their teeth into it as much as uh that you guys have been fortunate enough to then um we would also see well let me generalize that more and say i think the industry could support itself in more ways than it does maybe i should that's a simple way to put it well that's it's interesting because you know we we commit a certain amount of our uh revenue back to the sport sure so, well, and, uh, and, 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 and that's a lot of what times that's tough to do. Yeah, I know. That's some, the whole point, right? Yeah, I know it's hard to do. Years there, uh, when we got to two thousand six, two thousand seven, um, we had some pretty heavy contracts with like the WPBA and mm-hmm. and uh, various other entities that uh, you know we made good. We didn't we didn't walk away from any of the contracts we had, right? And we made good on them, you know, um, until they were in, you know. Even though the the economy wasn't supporting it, right, right, um, right. we made good on all our promises, and and, and that's kind of you know why we have the reputation sure. we do because we you know if we give our word on something we're going to follow through. Absolutely. And uh, it you know sometimes it's tough, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we've been able to do it. Well, so, and that's it's it's in your own best interest and in the industry's interest to do that. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. I said, I know it's hard. Uh, for some of these smaller companies, especially, you know, to to pay their dues as it is, but we I mean, we need they the industry needs to invest in itself, <laughs> really, you know. That's true. Invest That's in the true. juniors. Uh, one of the things we're looking at now, which is which is a, an interesting aspect, is you know as the as the 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 player profile, if you will, is getting rebuilt, you know, by by people like Mark Wilson and. And the juniors programs and that sort of thing. Right. Um, we're able to s- sort of represent ourselves to corporate America. True. Because there's a lot of potential. Um, you know, that's where the real money is. I mean, we can we can talk about the industry supporting itself all we want to. Sure. But the real money is outside of our industry. Absolutely. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, when you get places like uh, you, know, you name it, if it's sports drinks or if it's uh, beer companies or if it's whatever it is that have you know marketing budgets that are. Many times more than what our you know our annual gross revenue for the entire industry is. That's right. Um, you know that those are welcome sources of income that we can you know channel towards professional play, towards junior play, towards you know whatever we uh, whatever we can you know put in front of them that presents well and, and they feel that there's an ROI on. Right. Absolutely. And that's one of the things we're looking at doing, and and uh, there's there's you know potential traction on some of those right now too. Absolutely. Well, and that's. Um you know, not to go into marketing techniques with you or anything, but, but uh, <clears throat> the juniors are always a worthy cause. You know, professional play in the juniors, no matter what sport, no matter where it is in the country, no matter or in the world for that matter, most everybody and most all companies can get behind kids out there doing it up. You know what I mean? Well, because you're also, it's, it's a feeder system too. Yes, you know, because absolutely. Because these, these kids are going to become tomorrow's consumers. You know they're going to be homeowners. They're Absolutely. going to be billiard Absolutely. equipment buyers. They're going to be you know uh, 
just good for the sport in general. Yeah. So the more people that you can engender along those lines, yeah. you know, the more help you can give them um, if they can get on to, uh, you know, international uh, play and, and uh, world championships, things like that. That's great. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. And representing their companies, you know, well in the process. You know what I mean? But absolutely. Cool. Well, I, I'm afraid I, I think I've taken up all your time and, and all my time for the day. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. going to go do something like uh, watch Team USA pull back from a loss. That's what we're going to do. There you go. All right. Cool. Team USA. Let's see if we can get that Moscone Cup back here. That's what we need to do. All right. Well, thanks all again, right. sir. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Sounds great.